This is the Sanam S4 podcast, brought to you by Sanam S4, the go-to people for success in the world's fastest growing economies. Season 1. Reshaping international student recruitment in the time of coronavirus. Episode 4. My guest today is Robin Matros-Helms, the Deputy Chief Innovation Officer and Principal Internationalisation Strategist at the American Council on Education, ACE. Robin's experience includes programme management, faculty development and international education consultancy. Today she's talking about the value of faculty in internationalisation on campus and giving some predictions for what internationalisation and innovation might look like in the field from here on. Robin, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. So the reason that we wanted to um, catch up with you is for a couple of different things. A whole month ago, which feels like another world, um, you wrote a blog called Can Internationalization Survive Coronavirus? You need to see my data. So for anybody that hasn't seen that blog, would you just be able to summarize the key message within it? Yeah, absolutely. It does feel like uh, way longer than a month ago. It was right as the as this was starting. And it, it was at a time when this whole COVID-19 crisis was still really about international education and study abroad and international students and, and moving around before it became uh, everything that it is today. It was really taking a look at what do we learn from this crisis about the way that we think about internationalization. And kind of the punchline was we've been talking in the field for quite a while that we need to be focused on the curriculum, on what's happening on campus, on student global learning, not as a substitute for mobility of students and faculty, but as, as part of that overall picture, that we can't just rely on study abroad and international students to consider ourselves internationalized. Really, this virus that really was the game changer in terms of putting mobility at a halt, at least for the time being. So this blog was really to try to get at, okay, if we don't have mobility, what does internationalization mean? And one of the, one of the statements within that blog that's quite eye-catching is this mention of a positive relationship between faculty policies and practice and global learning gains. And as your blog mentions, it says that rewarding and incentivizing faculty, and that seems fairly removed from the student experience, but this has the greatest impact on student learning and notably more so than sending students abroad. That is a really interesting statement. I mean, give us some color or some ideas on the relationship between faculty policies and practice and global learning gains. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the study itself, where that data actually comes from, because they're really fascinating. As far as I know, actually, there hasn't been another study that's looked at the relationship between internationalization activities and priorities on campuses and what students are actually learning in a quantitative way. So we were essentially marrying two surveys. One is ACE's Mapping Internationalization on U.S. Campuses study, which looks at institutional efforts towards internationalization, priorities, and kind of the state of the field and trends over time. And the other study is the National Survey of Student Engagement, or the NESI study here in the U.S., which is a broad survey that's given to students to ask them about the kinds of activities that they're participating in and their self-perceived learning uh, throughout their college experience. And it's uh, institutions opt into that to administer to their students at the end of their first year and at the end of their uh, senior year or their fourth year. That came together. We used the data from the 2016 mapping survey and the data from the NESI Global Module and married those together. So we had somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 institutions that had completed the mapping survey 
on institutional efforts and whose students had completed the Nessie Global Module. Uh, but we, we looked at that relationship to say, okay, when institutions are doing and prioritizing these things, what results in actual experiences for students and what they're saying they're learning, the global skills, knowledge, attributes that they're acquiring. Um, so that's where this data came from, is, is that what really was driving student learning, again, in that relationship, was faculty engagement, and I can talk a little bit about some of those activities and what we asked about, and then efforts to internationalize the curriculum. Uh, pretty stunning, again, because if we're thinking about what are the direct activities that are, are sort of most implement, affecting students and involving students, right, that is the student mobility, um, the back and forth, and, and um, some of the, the, again, direct activities, but the faculty piece is driving student learning. When we look at the curves, institutions where international work was considered for promotion and tenure, seniors in the Nessie study reported more, they were more likely to report that they had completed a course on global trends, completed a course on international issues, completed courses that encourage understanding of other culturals, cultures and developing cultural skills, and then on the learning front, they reported gains in how prepared they felt to succeed in the global era and gains in how, they, how much they felt a responsibility to sort of a global community. And that was related to the faculty policies. And that I can definitely see. So you've got faculty who are incentivized to deliver international related courses, for want of a better word. You've got students who then report that they're taking them. And I guess then the question is, in terms of applying what it is that students have learned within those courses, that's the next study, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's just a nice foundation. I think some of the key takeaways when we think about, okay, so if, if faculty policies and practices really are correlating mm. to student global learning gains, what does that mean for us in the field as practitioners? And I think a key message is, is again, really the centrality of faculty to student decision making and just recognizing that, well, international education administrators and those of us who are running programs are, are amazing and, and talented talented, there needs to be this close collaboration with faculty. I think it really points to the need for making sure that everyone is part of the conversation. This needs not to be another add-on on top mm. of their already very heavy workloads, but really thinking about how are they bringing global perspectives into the work that they're already doing. So looking at their syllabi and saying, you know, are there ways to incorporate international perspectives, different readings, different assignments, different connections? How would, on the research front, collaborating with somebody in another country really advance the research you're already doing uh, and advance your field in very substantive ways so that it's, again, furthering the work that faculty are already doing, helping them build on that work and build on their, their passions. So it's almost like a framing, a framing process for work that probably is already underway in some way. So in the study, you mentioned there were 60 institutions which had representation both in ACES um, mapping study and also in the Nessie study. Are they a spread geographically of institutions? Is that like a broad or a profile type? That was, it was spread geographically and it's a, it's a wide range of institutions. I want to say that it was about half and half public, private. The takeaway is that the professional field of international education should take steps to ensure that faculty are playing a role um, when students are on campus and by extension are playing a role in the recruitment of students as well. Because Absolutely. positioning the institution as being fully internationalized is an appealing feature. Mobility is great. We need to be thinking about how we make sure that all of our students, whether or not they are internationally mobile, 
gain those skills. And what's promising about this data is that it's showing we really can do that on campus. And in fact, in many ways, we're doing that more effectively on campus than maybe we are by sending students back and forth. Mm, such an interesting angle. On the podcast, we're talking to experts who are on the coalface and able to um, speak to the issues that are alive at the moment. And at the moment is obviously a really fast moving <laughs> concept. So we've talked about study abroad. We've talked about supporting um, institutions in their social media to reach prospective students and to stay in touch uh, with them. We've talked to our um, in-country reps about the kind of issues that they're hearing about from prospective students and parents. So I feel like we're asking all the right people all the right questions. But when I looked down the list of people that we really wanted to reach out to as part of the podcast, your job title just um, stood out a mile. It's such an interesting job title that you've got. And what do you think is the essence of your innovation and internationalization job title? How do we change our way of doing business beyond this? And how do we see this as an opportunity for, for new things? Yeah, and perhaps, and perhaps a sense of it being empowered to be disruptors mm-hmm. because, you know, you might have had a, a plan signed off three years ago, but actually the context has changed so materially that this is the moment to look at it, tear it up and think, you know, pivot and disappear in a whole different direction, a whole new direction, which in the normal course of events is not always easy to do within the campus setting. Um, so I think that's possibly another reason why people feel super energised at the moment because there is just such a lot of out of the box and really creative thinking going on, which would not easily normally be available to you. I think that's exactly right. Is that it is this moment where it is thinking creatively and, and thinking about where can we go from here? Yeah, exactly. So where can we go from here? And I guess my last question is, what do you think, Robin, will be the next big innovation in internationalization? That's a great question. I wish I had a crystal ball as things, you know, it's so hard to predict. I would never have imagined three weeks ago that we would be in where we are now even. But as I look forward, and again, thinking on everything that we've talked about today and the conversations I'm having, I do think we're going to be finding in internationalization and in higher ed and sort of our lives in general, a different kind of balance between the technology, the virtual and the in-person and what that's gonna look like. In some ways I can imagine the pendulum swinging swinging back to, I'm never gonna complain about another in-person meeting again because I'm so grateful to have that there. But I think we're gonna swing to somewhere in the middle. Um, I think we're gonna see more on internationalization as moving forward overall institutional goals. And this is something we've been talking about with institutions we work with for a while now, and particularly again in the geopolitical environment, really thinking of international activity not as an end in of itself, but as something that moves the whole institution forward. Even more broadly, I would say that as a field, I think we're going to focus more on internationalization, again, not in an end of itself, but how are we solving world problems like COVID-19. I mean, the, 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 the layers, the interdisciplinarity around this whole phenomenon, everything that has happened globally is fascinating. And that's going to need minds at the table that needs people who are, are in all parts of the globe collaborating on how do we address these problems? How do we understand the virus, the epidemiology around this, the public health? How do we understand communications? And how did you know, sort of all of these different approaches come together? And I think there's going to be a real moment for global learning around 
around all of this and, and this focus on, on really coming together around big global problems and how do we involve faculty? So again, it's back to that faculty piece and their research as really contributing to this broader global good uh, in ways that, that we have thought about but have really been brought to the fore by this crisis. Um, I'd like to think that we're gonna see even greater collaboration within the field. So I'm definitely talking to, uh, within the US and globally, the associations and others involved in international education on, on how do we collectively support this work going forward? How can we be creative and disruptive uh, in some of the work that we're doing? And then finally, I would just say we will keep at this work. As tired as we get and as hard as this is, there is that, that coalescing and that sense of, wow, this is important. And I think we're going to all really remain committed to this work. Which is an amazing note to end on because it ultimately means that we feel that the, the shape of the field may change, but the field itself remains safe and impactful for the long term. And actually, as international educators, those of us who have been, you know, career international ed people, that's really all we could ask for, isn't it? So. Absolutely. Robin, thanks so, so much. That was so interesting. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time. And I wish you a lovely rest of the day. Thank you so much, Zoe. I appreciate the opportunity.